Good morning. I'm Aline Reichenberg Gustafsson. I'm Olivia Marr. I'm Gülce Demirer. Hi, everybody. This is Philip Albuquerque. This is Richard Tishkevich. This is Julia Axelsson. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Happy Chinese New Year to you, too. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. It is- It is February, so um, we need to specify. So it's the wood dragon's year, and dragon is very auspicious animal in uh, the Chinese astrology, which means that a lot of people are expecting this year to be a very good, very good year, especially in China. And uh, Julia has written everything about it in her very good column. So if you need to catch up on what it means, then please have a look. And she's the appropriate authority, even that she lived in China for several years. So she knows what she's talking about. That's certainly better than any of us would. Exactly. And then now we're going to tra- travel back to Europe. And Philip, you have made yourself an authority on a European topic this week, since the EU has, well, I mean, the European Commission has published a 90% net greenhouse gas emission reduction target. Yes. So the EU has a general uh, goal of carbon neutrality by 2050, which is set out in its uh, European climate law, which is approved in 2021. But there are intermediate steps, uh, amongst which the the, the original one was that by 2030, 55% of this goal should have been reached. But now uh, the European Commission also published uh, another intermediate uh, goal for 2040, which is to uh, achieve a 90% uh, net greenhouse gas emissions neutrality by uh, 2050. It's it's interesting because it's uh, it's rather ambitious and uh, we've been talking about net uh, net emissions neutrality for quite some time and uh, that means that as time passes, we're getting closer and closer to the deadlines for these things. Uh, there's a couple of uh, other issues that are interesting about this um, announcement. The, the first one is just the reason for doing it now. Uh, there's two main uh, reasons why the, the European Commission has made this announcement. First is that there was a sort of timetable for the EU to make this announcement according to its own laws. The European climate law requires required the Commission to propose a target for 2040 within six months of the first global stock take of the Paris Agreement, which took place in December. So they're a little bit ahead of schedule, but uh, they needed to do this uh, within the first half of the year. And then... um, It's also meant to be a starting point for public discussions on the actual goal that will be made into law, because this is at the moment, this is just a proposal from the European Commission. Uh, And this is important because the European Commission can't do anything at the moment and it can't even make a a fully sort of full fledged legal proposal for this because there will be European Parliament elections in June. So this is the starting point of a discussion. And after the elections, whoever has the majority in the European Parliament gets to presumably form the executive of the EU, the European Commission, and it'll be them that'll make that proposal. So this is the basis for for that. So there seems to be three sectors in particular that the European Commission is focusing on. 
Yes, the three sectors that it thinks is strategic uh, are strategic for this new goal is um, carbon pricing, <clears throat> which makes sense because the EU is a leader in this. The deployment of carbon capture and storage technologies, which is something that they want to invest in and they want to see more in the continent. And last but not least, the energy sector. So within the energy sector, there are three main things that they use seeking. Uh, full decarbonization by 2040 more nuclear and specifically uh, more small modular reactors, which is a relatively new uh, technology and something that the European Commission seems keen on endorsing, since on the same day it also endorsed the launch of the alliance to facilitate the development of uh, small modular reactors. All right, so that's interesting. So the EU is turning favorable to nuclear. Yeah, which is very interesting given uh, how controversial the issue was to begin with for the taxonomy, for example. Right, and now if we're moving a little bit further north, so towards where we are, uh, on the way and uh, we can stop in Denmark, which uh, is well-known country for being very sustainable with uh, a lot of windmills everywhere. Uh, but Richard, you have a bit of good news and a bit of bad news for Denmark. Yeah, I mean, the good news is uh, in relation to the shipping industry, where Denmark is uh, one of the big players, one of the big players. Um, I think shipping is currently about 3% of global greenhouse gas emissions. But if things carry on on the on current pathways, it could end up very quickly being 10%. And it's an industry that uh, sometimes doesn't get as much attention as as you know, road transport or um, or aviation, but it is, you know, burning huge amounts of very, very dirty fuel. The good news is that uh, Denmark's uh, Maersk announced uh, the implementation of proper science-based targets for reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. They had already announced, uh, you know, various um, targets for, for reduction, but the fact that now they've worked with the SBTI to give them some credibility is really important. And it also, I mean, part of that process is putting in place kind of interim, you know, realistic shorter term targets to show that you're on this proper pathway. Right, so, and so you'll be covering this um, topic this week, writing an article about that? Yeah, I thought I, it's nice to to write about uh, good news now and again, because in sustainability, we, we write a lot of uh, sort of frustrated negative stuff. Um, so I think this is this is a, a, a good development. I think they're, they're aiming quite ambitiously for, um, they've got 2030 and 2040 targets, and the 2040 target is, um, you know, 90% reduction in, in even their scope three emissions. Um, so it's it's really nice to see. The, the other thing regarding Denmark that- I you was know, gonna say, I'm sorry to rain on your parade, Richard, but uh, Denmark isn't all it seems to be. Yeah, well, in fairness to Denmark, um, I mean, I think perhaps they're, as you said, uh, when you introduced the topic, they, they've got a fantastic reputation, uh, along with other Nordic countries, for being ahead of the curve in terms of sustainability. And they are doing a lot of good things. They've got a fantastic wind industry. And there's the, you know, there, there was a Dong Energy uh, turning into Ørsted and all sorts of good stories, uh, although they're in a little bit of financial trouble, as from what I can see. Yes. But mm. the, <laughs> yeah. We, that's and sadly, they're thing. divesting a bit too, yeah. That's another topic, I, I think. <laughs> but I, <clears throat> while I saw this good news about Maersk, I also spotted a an article from a 
from a think tank, uh, which is really quite critical of Denmark's uh, environmental record. Perhaps some things that are a little bit less obvious uh, coming out of there, uh, especially the ag agriculture and fishery uh, industries, um, which are, let's say, not not doing uh, things to uh, best practice levels. So I'll take a little bit of a look at that just to balance out the positive and uh, see see what see what that's all about. And balance is something that uh, you're getting more and more familiar with, given this balance that we've been talking about between exclusions and engagement. And this week, you're going to be following up on that discussion, and especially the discussion that we started a few weeks ago re relating to Saudi Aramco and AP7's ownership of those shares. You're going to be talking to Johan Florian at AP7. Yeah, that's right. That's going to be part of our uh, Espresso Lungo series of podcasts where we sit down and have a little bit of a longer longer sort of discussion with um, with asset owners and, and asset managers. This is a chance for Florian, who's been he's been kind of batting away criticism for the last few weeks because of this Aramco holding. And he's been doing quite a a fair job of it in terms of um, you know not shying away from from the criticism, but I, I, it's worth remembering AP7 are not the only ones in this situation. A lot of people have got oil and gas um, in their portfolios, but this whole divest versus engage um, discussion is a is a theme we we're really keen to to dig deeper into and. I think the podcast uh, will try and explore some of the some of the kind of nuts and bolts of the engagement process and and what works and what what doesn't work and what could be done done better. We look but forward to some... hearing that. And and there's some good news also somewhere else closer to where you're sitting, Richard. You've noticed an engagement effort uh, that was successful. Can you tell us about the positive story you've heard? Yeah, we're starting the week with quite a few positives, which is which is nice. Let's hope we carry on like that. Um, but yeah, the whole banking industry is something we've we've covered quite a few times. The, the we've been uh, critici criticizing the members of the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero, uh, G fans on occasion, and um, you know this whole idea of banks lending uh, huge amounts of money to. To fossil the fossil fuel industry and the good news to which you were referring is an announcement just on the 9th of february by barclays bank which is one of the biggest funders of oil and gas projects um that they are um, seriously cutting back on these things and and they're going to stop directly financing new oil and gas projects All and right. this is a result of serious pressure, really. It's I don't think it's something they've done uh, by themselves. This has been a lot of engagement and pressure from all sides uh, to try and get them to to stop doing this. So you'll have a look at that story as well. Uh, so a lot of work this week, and uh, we look forward to reading the results. Philip, you're also going to have a lot of work because you're going to be summarizing the performance of global funds from our partners for 2023, right? 
Yes, so we have collected most of the answers from them, and I am now in the process of compiling everything. There will also, in principle, be a very interesting transaction in fixed income markets, with uh, Japan being on schedule to publish the details of its uh, first transition bond. So that should also be quite interesting to see. Excellent. Have a good one. That was the Expresso for the week. We hope you got your sustainability shot. Thanks for joining. And we hope that now you have something smart to say to your colleagues when you meet them next to the coffee machine. And if you want to be even smarter, you can go on nordsip.com and find all the articles that we talked about and loads more. See you soon. And don't forget to subscribe.